ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. We are here to discuss X-Men number seven. The April 1992 issue on sale February 15th. Nope, that's 18th. I'm too far away from the computer. 1992. It's cover price of $1.25. This one's titled Inside Out, which... I feel like it wasn't a song, but I feel like it should have been a song. I'm going to guess you that there was a song called Inside Out previous to what year is this? 1992. Inside Out song. Uh, I mean, I got that from somewhere in my brain. So Phil Collins, 1985, has a song called Inside Out. Does it go Inside Out? Well, I'm not going to press play. Odyssey also has a song from 1982 called Inside Out. I would that one. I don't know who that is. Yeah, well, some band from 1982. Brian Adams. Inside Out is the name of a lot of songs. But do any of them go Inside Out? I don't know. Inside Out and Round and Round. Uh, no, I'm going to guarantee that None of them go the way that you just sang it. So that that's great. That means I'm original. Perfect. <laughs> we won't trip any uh, copyright infringement. <laughs> so yes, uh, lucky number seven. It's a uh, it's a cover of Wolverine on one half and uh, Omega Red on the other half. It's a pretty cool cover. I mean, sure. Yeah. I don't think I would buy it as a T-shirt. It wouldn't make a lot of sense. People would be like, "What's wrong with Wolverine's face?" You'd be like, well, it's actually Omega Red. And people would be like, what's an Omega Red? And like, well, I think people know who Omega Red is. Because so? like, the 90s era of the X-Men is probably the most well-known era of the X-Men. Did Omega Red appear on the animated show? Yes. Yes. Okay. I mean, I think people that are of an age would know who Omega Red is. But I think X-Men fans who are maybe 30 years old right now would be like, I don't know what an Omega Red is. They might not. I mean, he's in the current run of the comics still, so who knows? I don't think 30-year-olds read comic books these days. I think comics are squarely for uh, old folks like us. Perhaps. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a red and uh, pink and a black cover. I remember you know, liking it as a kid. You know, solid Jim Lee artwork there. It's kind of plain. Um, doesn't have sort of the dynamicism if that's a word of the previous covers i mean it's a portrait so it's not much you can do from a from a level of dynamics there but it's a good drawing but not the greatest cover in the world it'd have been probably a much better panel and not even a full page spread but like a you know quarter quarter page panel of the issue if if like they were being mind melded together or something i'd like to see the same treatment with saber tooth sure I bet you it exists. I bet you there is a after Jim Lee Wolverine Sabretooth uh, homage to this cover somewhere. This feels like it's a secret homage to the Hulk versus Wolverine cover where the mm. Hulk is inside of Wolverine's adamantium claws. Maybe. Because it's just two faces. And, and Jim Lee was like, how do I do that? How do I pull that off? Yeah. Yeah. I don't have anything to ref- I don't want to like, I don't want to do a straight up ripoff where Omega Red's in Wolverine's claws. Well, I, I'll do a half and a half. 
Yeah. I never – Jim Lee, you did it again, <laughs> son. He pats himself on the back. You should start your own comic book publishing company. I am not a huge fan of that Hulk Wolverine cover because I don't like how Wolverine's claws are drawn. But I get they were trying to do a reflection thing, but the claws are just too big in my opinion. That cover has been homaged so many times that there is probably a better one where the claws are the right size. And I get it. What do I know? It's a classic. It's instantly recognizable, but I'm always like, eh, (laughs) proportions aren't right. But anyways, that's my hot take on that classic cover from a comic that we covered a while ago. I think we covered it, yeah. Yeah. But anyways, we'll open up this guy, and it is plotted and broken down by Jim Lee. Art Thiebert is doing the finishes. Scott Lobdell is doing the dialogue. Tom Orzakowski's lettering. Joe Rosas is coloring. Bob Harris is the editor. And Tom DeFalco is the editor-in-chief. So if... Jim Lee is doing the breakdowns and Art T-Bear is doing the finishes. What does that mean? Does that mean that pencil penciled and inked or is that Jim Lee was like, uh, the page should look like this Hmm. and then passed it over to, uh, Art T-Bear and Art T-Bear drew it and inked it. I don't know. I mean, it, it feels like Jim Lee artwork mostly. I don't know what a breakdown is. I don't know if that's like the like the stick figure and balls for all the proportions. Then he just hands it over and says, draw muscles and ink it. Or if he did uh, sketches and handed them over for, well, finishing, which arguably could just be inking. I don't know. I, I, yeah, that's a good question, though, because it, does, it, it, it would say penciled by Jim Lee if he was fully in control of the artwork. So Unless they're doing one of those things where they change everything up and make it kind of funny. But it doesn't feel like that because everything else is pretty straightforward. Dialogue, lettering, coloring, editor, editor-in-chief. So Art T-Bear, I believe, takes over the book right after Jim Lee leaves mm. for a couple of issues and – I'm pretty sure it's very difficult to tell the difference. Okay. Yeah, well, maybe maybe Art T-Bear's doing the heavy lifting while Jim Lee is securing some financing with his buddy Todd McFarlane over at Image Comics. Maybe. But uh, we open it up here, and is this Cornelius? I can never remember this dude's name. Yep. Yeah. It's Dr. Cornelius. And Matsuo, they're at some controls there, and Wolverine is strung up by his feet and his hands. And they're pushing Wolverine to his healing power limits. Matsuo was looking straight up. So Wolverine's up in the air. Why does Wolverine need to be up in the air? Uh, dynamic paneling. It's too elaborate. Yeah, it basically looks like Matsuo is just looking at Wolverine's crotch. It's like his inner thigh. <laughs> Seems yeah. even Wolverine's mutant fe- healing factor has its limits. To say nothing of the irreparable damage we've causing the man's already fragile psyche by forcing him to remember events that were suppressed through the Weapon X program's psychological engineering. So, I recaptured Wolverine. Last issue, Sabretooth caught Wolverine. And uh, Psylocke helped. And um, they're diving into Wolverine's memories in order to figure out what he did with the carbonadium which is the carbonadium synthesizer. Well, I was getting there. Okay. Yeah. The, the carbonadium, I wanted to say that carbonadium is some sort of cheaper, more malleable adamantium. Okay. 
And then the carbonadium synthesizer is something that synthesizes that, obviously. And Wolverine says, hey, wouldn't it be a lot easier if somebody would just ask me a direct question? Which is, you know, I guess kind of in character for Wolverine. But the whole point of this is that Wolverine doesn't remember any of this. So they have to dive into his psyche. Right. Whatever. But I feel like Scott Lobdell is is required or he feels like he needs to put dialogue everywhere. And and sometimes his dialogue is actually pretty good in this issue, I thought. But there are times where the the panel would be better served with no dialogue. And I'll just try to point them out if I see them. But right. maybe this is one of them. <laughs> yeah, well, they don't. They don't go to the less is more approach until later in, in comics. This is still the 90s where you got to show and tell everything. Yeah, it's sometimes it mostly tell doesn't work. <laughs> Very well, says Omega Red, if you so wish. What did you do with the carbonadium synthesizer? And then Wolverine says, I have no idea. But thanks for asking. But I'm bum. Yeah, well, going, going right back to my point there. oh Fenris is also here I forgot they were here yeah I can't remember what their uh, end game is but yeah they're here well I think the end game is once you have carbonadium you have a soldier you can continue the old super soldier formulas that like experiments that resulted in Omega Red Mm -hmm. so I'm thinking Fenris wants an army sure let's go with that they're Russian too, right? No, they're German. They're German. Yeah, I thought they were. Yeah, so I thought that was the relationship there with Omega Red, but it's not. I realize I am dependent upon synthesizing the only metal capable of negating my death factor. So Omega Red needs the carbonadium synthesizer for another reason, in that it uh, keeps him from killing himself. I guess I'm not really sure. I've never been clear on what the death factor is, but sure, let's go with that. Okay. <laughs> uh, Omega Red says that he wants to get this information from Wolverine's brain by hand, but one of the Fenrises says you had your chance and you failed, so we're going to do it with science. Let science succeed where brute strength has not. And so Dr. Cornelius flips some dials, and we are flashed back to Wolverine, Sabretooth, and Maverick on a mission. Dr. Cornelius says it's unlikely that he'll survive, but spoilers, Wolverine survives. I I was worried, Adam. (laughs) He keeps saying like, oh, well, this is going to push him to his limits, but it really doesn't. (laughs) At least as far as I could tell. Wolverine just gets up at the end of this and is like, hey, that was fun. Yeah. So we get cut to the same scene that we keep flashing back to where Wolverine and Maverick and Sabretooth are on a secret ops mission, uh, presumably in Russia, during the birth of the Omega Red experiment. And they are stealing the carbonadium synthesizer and also the Dr. Janice, who is for sure in charge of the carbonadium, carbonadium synthesizer. But apparently she's a double agent. Right. Sabretooth doesn't trust double agents. Now, is this before or after Sabretooth killed that lady in the last issue? And was that lady Dr. Janice? This is before. Okay. Because uh, Sabretooth gives orders to the team and says, Logan, you grab the doohickey. North's in charge of the dame. Me? 
I'm going to, I'm going to wish Ivan there a big old happy birthday. And then he put the Cyclops goggles. Yeah, I was going to, uh, why does Sabretooth have uh, uh, Cyclops goggles? I guess they all do. Oh, okay. It's part of their super cool team makeup. There's, there's super, their secret agent, uh, garb. Yeah. Okay. They're part of the Cyclops squad. Well, meanwhile, uh, Sabretooth and some goons here caught and captured and have brought in Maverick to a stronghold. This is very, like, if if you're not paying attention, this is confusing because you're like, you left off the last issue and Wolverine was not captured. Now we start this issue, Wolverine is captured. And then you see Sabretooth dragging somebody and you're like, wait, where's Wolverine? <laughs> um, is this the first appearance in the pages of X-Men of Sabretooth's new costume, or is it just a bigger spread than maybe we've seen before? I think it was in the last issue. Okay. I mean, it feels like it would have been in the last issue, but when I was reading through this again, I was like, huh, feels like, I don't know. It feels like the first time I'm seeing this or that I'm noticing that I'm seeing it. First time. <laughs> but anyways, it doesn't matter. He's He's got his new costume. It kind of looks like, who is that dude that, that Wolverine stole his costume from for a minute? Fang. Fang. It kind of looks like the Fang costume, kind yeah. of. Yeah. It's a good it's a good look for, for Sabretooth, I guess. It just kind of makes sense, I guess. Sure. Nobody told me the kid was out of sorts, practically keeled over before I got the chance to bruise him. And uh, Sabretooth is holding on to a Maverick, who appears to be his prisoner. Yep. And there's two goons who... Uh, one of the goons says, Sabretooth, we realize it's not our place to question an assassin of your caliber, but you've been repeating the same sentence since you and Psylocke defeated the Wolverine and Maverick, his German benefactor. <laughs> this is this is so explanatory. Yes. Uh, it kind of seems sort of like, in a way, you're gloating. Uh, to which I said, no, it doesn't. <laughs> He's mumbling the same thing over and over again about how he didn't get a chance to really do anything. How is that gloating? Nobody told me he was kind of out of sorts, or the kid was out of sorts. I don't know. And also, like, you know Psylocke has psychic powers. Right. Come on. Well, that's... Come on, goon. Well, the goon wouldn't know, because he's a goon. But the end of the issue kind of has me circling back here, going like, okay, is that what's happening? Yeah, no, I mean, you know right away what's happening because the freaking goon points it out. And if you're a astute comic reader, you're like, oh, something's up. You may not know what's up yet, but you know something's up. I was being dense then because I didn't know what was going on. Okay. Until we got to the end and we get the the, the deus ex machina. Uh, and then I was like, oh, okay, maybe that's what was happening. Sabretooth is in a weird daze and he's repeating himself. Right. That's that's all we need to know. It should have been obvious, but it wasn't because I'm dense, Adam. We just know that something's going on. Okay, that's fair. So uh, Matsuo is continuing to probe. He wants to go beyond the cautionary probes, just get this thing done with. Uh, Dr. Cornelius here, though, he's conflicted because he's a doctor and you're asking me to kill this man. Don't worry, Dr. Cornelius. <laughs> yeah. Lady Fenris smacks him across the face. Does Lady Fenris and Boy Fenris have a name? I think so. Okay. Doesn't matter. But I don't know what they are. Uh, I like Lady Fenris and, and Boy Fenris. Here's what she explains. Carbonadium, a cheaper, more malleable version of adamantium. Uh, if its secrets die with Wolverine, you will regret ever having heard of the upstarts. Yep. So she's part of the upstarts now? Well, isn't that Matsuo Fenris? Oh. Uh, they named themselves. Maybe Omega Red. I thought the upstarts were intro 
had introduced themselves last issue. Probably right. Um, where they go from here, I, I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this is where you get your exposition about the whole carbonadium, cheaper, more malleable stuff uh, again. Forgive me, Logan, says Dr. Cornelius as he turns the dial, presumably up. I'm not sure how So uh, Matsuo is wearing a sort of Cerebro-ish helmet. So yeah. he is he is also inside of the mind of Wolverine. Uh, witnessing the flashbacks in order to determine where the carbonadium synthesizer is. It's kind of a neat premise. Uh, Matsu's got a cool tie. It's very got some like it's like a it's like a dazzler tie. Yeah, it's, no, it's or, a good like tie. a jubilee tie. It's a good tie. It's got some stars on it and stuff. Yeah, I, I bet this is from Dazzler the movie. Sure, <laughs> some official uh, merchandising there. Some official swag from Dazzler the movie. So now we get sort of a full-page spread. It's not great. Wolverine in agony, writhing in his little shackles there. But in the background, we get a montage of various, I don't know, stressful situations. Well, it's all the same situation. This is after they jumped out the window, after the doc, Dr. Janice is dead, and it just cuts to four different perspectives of the same thing. They're in the water. Sabretooth assumes they've lost the carbonadium synthesizer. Um... But they set back the Soviet super soldier program by 30 years, so that ought to make this mission worth it. Wolverine says worth it. It depends on who you ask, and he's cradling the dead body of Dr. Janice. And then he says to the dead body of Dr. Janice, I need you to do one last assignment for me. And we cut back to Matsuo, who's like, that's that's it. That's the key. That's the connection. I know where the carbonadium synthesizer is. It was, yeah, it was the perfect uh, uh, opportunity to dispose of the device. Benris wants to know, like, okay, well, where is it? And Matsuo's like, eh, I'll tell you. In good time. Yeah. <laughs> but first, Dr. Cornelius, kill Wolverine. We must first ensure no one else can make uh, use of the information I have learned on this day. Dr. Cornelius, kill Wolverine, which he starts to do with his magical dial. And there's a thing where he's like... uh in a perverse sort of way, the doctor believes that killing Wolverine, by killing Wolverine, he's somehow making amends. Maybe putting him out of his misery. Wolverine's in agony, and then uh, Psylocke comes to life. Enough! I feigned obedience to deference to Wolverine's wishes, long enough to learn the whereabouts of the seed synthesizer. She shortened it. She's not going to say carbonadium synthesizer. She's like... The sea synthesizer. It's the 90s. We shorten things. Sea synthesizer. It's, you know, it's, she just said a mouthful, so I'm glad she shortened something. I'm surprised she didn't call it the CS. Just go all in. Yeah, but, yeah really. And she's ninja kicking, and she, I don't know why she's got these samurai swords, but apparently she does. So she, she's got those. She's swinging those around. She points out that she shares a psychic bond with um, Matsuo, right? Right. So she also knows where the sea synthesizer was. So I, this was this is the Deus Ex Machina that I was talking about because it was revealed in the last issue that Matsuo embedded a, a psychic bond, which makes a lot of sense. He created an, like the perfect assassin, and probably to safeguard his creation, he would put that in there, and so that's how he takes control of her. So I guess what this is saying is that. It just didn't work. and It was Wolverine's <laughs> near death that freed me from Matsuo's mental thrall. Okay, so I've been waiting wa- for the moment to strike. 
So there was a moment of control. Maybe she also has a psychic bond with Wolverine. Oh, all these psychics have psychic bonds with everybody. And then uh, there's a lot of back and forth. I hope it was worth it. I've already single-handedly bested your teammates. Do you believe you stand a chance against my carbonadium coils? Ooh. Or that your paltry psychic powers can stem the flow of my mutant death factor? And then Psylocke says, actually, actually, yes. No, how is it possible? The truth? I had you psionically convinced you actually released your death-inducing uh, ability. So he didn't. Then the essence I've been drawing from you to sustain my own? A figment of your imagination. <laughs> <laughs> but for the piercing sensation in your left lung that I'm punching you in now? That's genuine. Yep. Too much dialogue. Uh, it has been nearly 30 years since I've tasted the blood of a woman. I'm going to enjoy this. Yeah, but Wolverine... He's 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 had a, a moment to kind of recharge and and uh, collect himself, and he says, "Nope, not today." Well, but he doesn't though, because he, I mean, he does say, "Don't count on a bub," but then it's a couple pages before he actually gets up. Well, I mean, he will. We first we have to see what's going on with Sabretooth and uh, Maverick. Well, first Cardenalius freaks out. And it's like, if Wolverine should break free, and he sets an alarm, so we see, bweet, 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 in this panel. And then we cut to the other panel, which has a much larger, bweet, bweet, bweet. So Cornelius put off an alarm. And then that's when Maverick says, that's my cue. And kicks the dudes in the heads, the bad guys, the, the dorks, the, yeah. the team. The goons. The goons. It was a little confusing of a panel because there's limbs going every which way. But yes, uh, Sabretooth is still holding him by his binds. Maverick's head is upside down, uh, but he's able. To, he's got his legs free, so he's able to kick around. If you go back to the previous panel, it tracks with the position that Maverick is in. This works, although... Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm not really not. relying on Sabretooth's strength. Yeah. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying uh, there was limbs everywhere, and it took me a minute to figure out exactly what was happening. He points a gun at one of the dudes and says, any chance you'll tell me where they're being held? And the guy says no. And mm. then he shoots the guy in the face. Kills him. Kills him. I mean, we assume he kills him. He shoots him in the face. Blam. I suppose he could survive that. Maybe. And he turns the gun on the other guy and he's like, okay, again, what floor are... And then seven, have, seven, like, seven. Seven. And he's like, seven, 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 huh? And then he shoots him in the face anyway. Yeah. This is, this, is like, this is like cable. Yeah, Maverick don't care. He's cold-blooded. There you go, he says to Sabretooth, who's just standing there watching. I take it you're still under Psylocke's command after she tagged you during the battle in the darkened sewers. Why does he have to say darkened sewer? That seems like an excess word, Scott Lapdell. <laughs> just be a sewer. I don't know. Against my will, yeah. Then you'll do as I command and join me in the liberating the captive mutants. I'd rather not, but I have no choice. So that's kind of funny that Sabretooth is aware that he is under a psychic control yes you ain't gonna live that long kid and who you call in creed which i think means that sabertooth doesn't remember that he's creed maybe uh who knows okay <laughs> i don't know meanwhile back in the lab uh we get a face of lady fenris having a psychic knife uh pass through her yep and she says Yarg! 
Now that I have everyone's attention, says Psylocke, she's honor-bound to avoid unnecessary violence and offer everyone an opportunity for surrender. Wait, she was just fighting Omega Red. Well, yeah, I mean, she took him out. But he's right there. So how did she stop fighting Omega Red in order to take out Venerus? Well, you know, comics. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't matter. A little bit of missing plot there from Jim Lee. Doesn't matter because boy Venerus is like, I'm not surrendering after what you did to my sister. Shut up, Strucker, says Omega Red. It It is obvious the woman is bluffing. She knows like her weaker every moment I've kept. From the sea synthesizer. Now everybody's calling it the sea synthesizer. Mm-hmm. If that is the case, perhaps you should conserve your energy, says Psylocke. But then Psylocke is hit from behind the head with a um, what I have to assume is a ninja strike by Matsuo. Yeah, yeah, it's like a I like mean, a like knocks her unconscious, but also grabs her by the back of the head. Yeah, like a like a death palm hit, something that you would expect uh, snake eyes to do. Yeah, but. Uh, so- I don't know. Matsu was a member of the hand, so I'm fine with it. Yeah, he's a ninja. He's a human, though, right? I mean, he's not a mutant or altered. He's just a ninja. Yeah, he's a he's a human, but he's a ninja. Yeah. So it's slightly better than a human. Yeah, of course. So Sabretooth and Maverick they head into where the X Men are being held on the seventh floor. On the seventh floor, as it turns out, and they free will free the X Men, even though Sabretooth is not happy about what's happening. I was hoping the cavalry would have been at least made up of one X-Man. Sorry, ma'am. Improvisation is the order of the day. I, I do like Beast's line here. He says, I appreciate a spontaneous rescue as much as the blue furred, as the next blue furred mutant, which I suppose would be Nightcrawler. Mm-hmm. That's, that's fun. That's fun. Yeah. But wouldn't it have been prudent to check Sabretooth at the door? And Maverick explains that Sabretooth is under Psylocke's control as long as Psylocke is conscious. And then we cut to a panel where Psylocke is being knocked out. Right. Uh, And I think maybe to some of your dialogue uh, uh, criticisms earlier, some of this could have maybe been handled differently. But whatever. Don't fret over me, boy, much as I hate it. And then we see that Sabretooth has got a little glint in his eye and he's got a mischievous smile, I think. He's got his control back. Yeah. And as uh, Maverick is attempting to get the shoe shackles, the bondings on Beast's feet undone, uh, Sabretooth strikes him in the back of the, I don't know. In the back. If if Sabretooth has like an open like attack that he can do whatever he wants, you think he would like come up behind him and rip his neck out or something? (laughs) Well, he's got like a helmet on. I mean, like, as he has done with Wolverine. Yeah, um, I don't know. But instead, he just strikes him in the back, which doesn't seem like it would. You're not maximizing your potential here, is what I'm saying. No, but whatever Maverick did was enough to free Beast enough for him to get his shackles loose from. He still got the shackles on his feet, but they're not bound to the ground. So he kicks Sabretooth in the face. And then uses the momentum, I think, to kick uh, Jubilee's uh, hand shackles off. She uses her powers to let the lights go. And then, I don't know, then we flip back over to Matsuo and Psylocke. And none of this needs dialogue. No. Um, but it has a lot of it. And it's all like cheeky, jokey yeah. sort of stuff, which is fun. But also kind of after a while gets kind of 
annoying. Well, none of the X-Men in this issue have really had a chance to do or say anything, so this is the only That's opportunity, true. so it's, it's okay. That's right, this is an X-Men book. Yes, it's not just Wolverine. Uh, yeah, so Wolverine slowly goes from kind of like mumbling to, to regaining his wits, gets his strength about him, breaks free from his shackles, and now he starts fighting Sabretooth. Not Sabretooth, uh, Omega Red. Nothing can stand in our way. You mean to tell me a mutant healing factor, 300, uh, what does that say? Pounds. Pounds of adamantium skeleton with claws, countless hours of training in the danger room, and you got the nerve to call that nothing? So tell me, what does that, uh, what does it take to impress you people? And here's where, like, this, like, okay, that's cool. And this panel is cool. Let's just not have Omega Red talk. Right. But instead, he answers Wolverine's question. More than you have to offer, in your weakened state, you are less of a threat now than you were 30 years ago. But we don't need that. No. It's it's just, let's just leave it. What does it make to impress you people? We get this awesome panel of Wolverine. Punching. Semi-naked. Yep. Striking Omega Red somewhere. I don't even in the face, maybe. I can't even really tell. Sure. Doesn't matter. Uh, Wolverine's got some nice detail on his forearm where it looks like he's missing some skin. So it's kind of like that Terminator 2 effect where there's some some metal skeleton below it. And Jim Lee loves that effect. It's good stuff. It's cool. It's a cool panel. If only Sabretooth were here to share your fate, and then Sabretooth flies through the the window. And Well, I think Omega Red gets kind of the upper hand for a minute there with his coils, and he's the one that says, my only regret is that Sabretooth is not here to share your fate. Right. Yeah. But, just as it would be, Sabretooth is blasted through a window into the same room. And there's the X-Men. I believe you people have something that belongs to us, short little fella, says Gambit. All adamantium and attitude, says Jubilee. He's one of a kind. We'd like him back. Don't forget our resident psionic Japanese, by the way, of Britain ninja warrior. You can imagine how hard they are to replace, which is kind of funny. Yeah, I like this this panel here. That's uh, good. This would be a good shirt. Uh, replace Maverick with somebody else. Cause yeah, get rid of Maverick. Nobody He's knows who he is. there and who cares. But everybody else is great. And then you get rid of all that dialogue. You throw that on a T-shirt. It's fantastic. But even with the dialogue in uh, the comic, like we, we get our X-Men back and they're, they're saying X-Men-like things. And they're quipping. And it's fun. And and they don't really wait for a response. Psylocke just or uh, Cyclops just blasts um must Matsuo. be Omega, Matsuo, yeah, away. Never mind, I see her. I'm all out of cards, so I have to settle for hurling this tray gauche debris, says Gambit. But better tell better nobody tempt telling me I the only one appreciating the irony. Of the of, I feel like Gambit wouldn't say Trey Gauche, but anyway, uh, I don't understand what he's talking about here. But no, better nobody tempt telling me I the only one. This is hard to read. Appreciating the irony of it all, the irony of what throwing dirt at at uh, Fenris. Yeah, I don't I'm think you understand what the joke is here. You didn't read it right. I'm doing the Cajun. But no, I'm going to read it just straight, but exactly as it's written here on the page. Okay. But better nobody tempt telling me I, the only one, appreciating the irony Oh, it all. Yeah, that is hard to read. <laughs> yeah, and then you throw some Cajun accent on top of it. It's a mess. But, uh, you know, Scott Lobdell is like, well, I got to try to find Gambit's voice here. Yeah, he hasn't got it yet. No. He does not, but he's uh he's really leaning in on the Cajun 
uh, interpretation of words. I, but I also, but the thing is, I just don't understand what he's talking about. Unless, I, he's, unless he's talking about throwing dirt at Fenris. I don't know what the irony. Oh, he's throwing dirt at dirt, maybe. Maybe that's the irony. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Maybe you got something there. Still, it's pretty weak. <laughs> it's weak, but, you know, it's there. Um, Rogue flies in. She she takes, she tackles Omega Red from the back. And uh, I don't know. They pretty much handily take these guys out. And she's like, don't worry, I, uh, I'm i going to attack you now from the front. I just wanted to make sure that you were in a spot between Matsuo and Cornelius where you could not use your powers. And Matsuo was like, she's right, Omega Red. If you employ your mutant power now, you will kill the only two men capable of prolonging your life. That, that's what Matsuo sounds like? That's what he sounds like now. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> Until I find a better use for this voice. Now that we're all in agreement, if you'll hold that pose long. I think this is Rogue speaking. She's about to punch them, but something explodes. Endgame, boys and girls, says Maverick. The chemicals stored here make this building a 10-story powder keg. So uh, the building's just conveniently exploding. Yes. I think there's... I think maybe uh, Maverick set some explosives at some point. Sure. Let's say he did that last is- issue. There's this There's this whole thing about how Maverick, so they escape. And Maverick says, if you knew the reason I was here this day, you'd no doubt be significantly less appreciative. Right. Because Cyclops is like, hey, man, in case it doesn't come up later, thanks for the assist, mister. So he's kind of thinking like, hey, man, this, this guy's kind of going to be a, an X-Men... Uh, buddy so what what was what was he there for that would be significantly less appreciative or do we not know that i don't think we know that but there's three pages left in the book (laughs) well two at least two of them are taken up by or one of them is taken up by this long shot uh segue and this long shot interlude i guess i would go with feels like it's drawn by somebody completely different there you go this is the rt bear (laughs) ah could be so apparently there was a rebellion that was launched yesterday, and everybody died except for Dazzler, another dude, and Longshot. But Mojo has Longshot in his clutches. Yeah. So if you remember last issue, they were everybody was willing to lead, uh, to be led by Longshot in a rebellion, and the rebellion has failed. That would have been a neat comic to see. <laughs> well, all we see is Mojo holding a unconscious. Well, slightly conscious, uh, long shot. Well, Dazzler lurks in the backgrounds. We almost took him with an army of dedicated soldiers and a couple of rusty X-Men. Maybe it's time to see how well he'd fare against a trio of soldiers and an army of X-Men. Who are the trio of soldiers? Who's the army of X-Men? Well, it'd be the X-Men. So somehow she's going to escape to the X-Men's... What qualifies an army? Because, like, know. I'm thinking maybe there's 10, 12 tops X-Men. Oh, no, it's just going to be the blue team or whatever. It's going to be, like, five of them. Yeah, so it's not really an army, <laughs> in my opinion. Well, I think you're looking too far into it here. The trio of soldiers would be her, the guy in the background, and... Longshot? Lila Chaney? Oh, uh, is that Lila Chaney that's underneath Mojo there? Oh, is it? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Anyways, back at the German embassy, the X-Men are there with Maverick. So they, they're they uh, 
discussing terms, I guess, which is that we don't mention it and we also won't mention it. None of this happened and there will not be an international incident. Right. Um, I don't know why we need to do this, but whatever. Right. Wolverine's got a few loose ends to tie up and Cyclops is like, I don't know what you're up to. Wolverine's like, I'm not asking for permission. Cyclops is like, fine, I'm not granting it, but be careful. You got friends. You know, give us a call if you need some help. It's nice. And Wolverine is like, you know, it's comforted to know I got friends now. Family even cover my back. And Cyclops is like, now and forever, Logan, whether you want it or not. It's a nice moment. It's a good moment. It's a really good moment. Yeah. Shows shows a little bit of growth. A lot of growth, actually. That evening, there's some people showing up in a cemetery with shovels. And I guess they're going to dig. Oh, well, they're going to dig up uh, the, the lady. Janice Hollenbeck. Yeah. So Psylocke must have shared the information with Wolverine, or Wolverine must have gathered the information. But either way... Well, he was the one having the memories, so he probably just remembered. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Either way, somehow he knows that they're going to go after Janice's body, uh, and I guess he goes... Does that mean that Wolverine now remembers working with Maverick and Creed? Because I guess... I guess he 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 doesn't. So yeah, you must be right. Psylocke must have told him. But wouldn't Psylocke have also said, "Oh, by the way, Maverick was in your memories as well as Sabretooth." Uh, we, never, we never really discussed that. <laughs> I'm curious to whether or not Wolverine now knows that he was on a a, a secret ops team with Sabretooth and Maverick. I feel like he fi- figures all that out in X Men Fifty. I mean, uh, Wolverine Fifty. Okay. Well, we'll be covering that soon enough, so we'll see. So, yes, they dig up Janice's body, but apparently Wolverine got here, buried himself, put himself in the coffin, and bursts out and kills Matsuo? Uh, I don't know. (laughs) There's a lot of movement happening here. Definitely some goons get struck. I don't know if they get killed. There's blood on Wolverine's claws. After, it looks like he strikes Matsuo. I think it's just goons. But then Matsuo's like, kill him. And then the goons come and then they fight the goons. But Cornelius shows up and he's like, I'm going to shoot you with my gun. And then he is shot in the back of the head by Maverick, who is also there. And Wolverine, I guess, doesn't know who Dr. Cornelius is. Because he says, "Uh, it's been my hope that you live long enough that one day you might forgive me. He's like, you're forgiven. For what? Yeah, no, he doesn't remember. He the remembers reference. nothing, Cornelius. Kill him. Oh, and that must be Maverick who says it. No, Matsuo says he remembers nothing, Cornelius. Kill him. Oh, okay. And then Maverick kills Cornelius? So I guess that's where Matsuo is running away. I guess so. <laughs> so that's the... that's the. Yeah. Uh, he remembers just... nothing, Cornelius. Kill him! <laughs> and then we see a gunfire, and then we see Cornelius's head bloodied. A flesh wound couldn't have done the job? Might have, but it wouldn't have been nearly as dramatic says the shadowy figure of Maverick. Matsuo is gone. You'll find him. Sides, this is the reason we're here. I don't remember everything about my past, but I have a vague recollection that this belongs to you. Roundabout way. Rest assured the C synthesizer will be used appropriately for synthesizing C. (laughs) I hope the information I passed on regarding your former comrade is demonstrative of my gratitude for what? He's gone again. How does this always happen? Is that referring, the former comrade, is that referring to Sabretooth? Yes. (laughs) 
Okay. Man, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff that isn't <laughs> quite explained, and maybe it'll be explained in the next issue. So Wolverine number 50 takes place before this issue. Oh, really? Okay. So we're a little off on our uh, order of chronology, but we'll be getting to it soon enough. Okay. I just remember, well, and we'll get to it when we get to it, but well, I just remember Wolverine 50 being the, the promise of sharing all of the secrets, and it didn't do any of that. Yeah, and mostly he just fights Shiva. Yeah, yep. I remember being let down when I bought that issue, although the die-cut cover was pretty fun. Yeah, it's neat. Yeah. So that's X-Men number seven. Uh, end, it says. Yeah, that's it's the end of that story there. I believe in the actual comic and uh, they changed it from Marvel Unlimited. And I think it says next issue Bishop in the... Uh, but we don't know who Bishop is yet, so I guess it doesn't matter. I feel like you're you're right. But I, it's been a long time since I've read that original issue. It would be weird for them to change it from Marvel Unlimited, though. They, they do weird stuff like that. Like, I've noticed um, the other thing that they do, which is weird, is they remove the titles. So, like, I didn't see Inside Out anywhere in this issue. Hmm. But if you go back to the comic or any collection with this comic, you'll see the title. So I, I don't know if it's a mistake or they just huh, I don't know. figure out how to. Now I'm just imagining the whole printing process. Uh, are they like literally putting transparencies on top of the page that have those titles and then that's going to the printing press? Because you can't just remove something from a comic without redrawing whatever was underneath it unless you've got multiple layers to deal with. I don't know. And it's not like Photoshop was terribly prevalent in 1992 or even existed. So it, yeah. whatever they're doing, if that's – and I don't know, right? Maybe maybe a lot of those – Like in this case, Jim Lee just never did the, uh, the titles or the next, and so they added them as separate elements. That, that's what I'm thinking. Lost yeah. those yeah. elements. But then they're in the, they're in the collections. So why wouldn't they be in Marvel Unlimited? I don't know. It's weird. I could go over and actually get my collection to confirm this. No, that's fine. I'm going to because it's, it's all the way in the other room. Yeah, I was going to say, that seems like a lot of work. I might do it after the podcast. <laughs> and then tell me on a text message, ah, I was wrong. Which is not helpful at all to the listener. <laughs> Well, if you know the answer to this burning question or you want to just chime in on other things that are going on, you can do so by visiting us at xmenpodcast.com, going out to facebook.com slash dangerroompodcast, twittering us at dangerroomgo, emailing us dangerroom at xmenpodcast.com, going out to iTunes or wherever podcasts uh, are subscribed to and liking and doing all those things, leaving comments and whatnot. Or you go out to patreon.com slash danger room for uh, exclusive content. That's the word that was eluding me. Exclusive content, Adam. Exclusive. Yeah. Everybody loves exclusive stuff. Uh, I don't feel like I've been doing that contact thing in our recent episodes. We're sort of out of sorts, you know, but <laughs> there it is. All the contact information. Uh, and that's it. We don't, that's X-Men number seven. Just, just that. Yep. Going dry. No, no backup issues. Do you have any thoughts about X-Men number seven? Oh, I mean, it's mostly forgettable. It's mostly, it's fun when it's happening. It's like an action movie, basically. It's fun while it's happening, but like it's, it's very few action movies that kind of stick with you. There's some, obviously. Obviously, I love Terminator 2. Yeah. It's yeah. Best, best action movie ever made. Best Aliens. movie ever made. This is pretty good. What's that? Which one? Aliens. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's a pretty good, good action film. 
Yeah. So pretty much, those, are, those are both by James Cameron. I was going to say pretty much everything by James Cameron up to Titanic, maybe. Titanic's uh, not an action film, but it's a good film. I said up to Titanic. I didn't say up to and including Titanic. I, I like Titanic. No, Titanic's a great movie, but it's not an action movie. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't own Titanic on Blu-ray or DVD or 4K or any format, so I don't like it that much. I own Terminator 2 in multiple formats. I have at least one or two copies of Terminator 2. Actually, you know what? I think I just have a steel shell or steel cased um, DVD of Terminator 2, which yep. I think might have been the first DVD release. I have, I have, I think that plus two other steel DVDs plus a steel book Blu-ray release plus the regular Blu-ray release plus the regular DVD release. I'll probably get it a couple more times in 4K. <laughs> yeah, I um, I don't really buy media much anymore. That's smart. I mean, I don't know how many how many times do you need to have the same movie? I get it, right? Really, none. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the the thing about the Terminator 2 releases were that they kept releasing it in different formats, right? So I wanted to get them like uh, the the they would crop the mat differently. So I just wanted to ensure that I had the one that was the theatrical. Okay. I yes, and we've talked about that before. The theatrical, it's is is perfect, is the best. Yeah. The the director's cut is not good. Nope. It, there's a <laughs> reason they cut those scenes out. Yeah. Yeah. That's important. Sometimes, sometimes the director's cut works, but uh, a lot of times the director's cut does not work. Sometimes some scenes work from the director's cut and other scenes don't. So it's like you got to do your own cut. Everybody should do their own cut of a movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and sell it. Yeah, you... exactly. Because that's legal. Yes. All right. Well, Adam, you got anything else? No, I just, that was it. That was, that was my ramble. All right. Well, I don't know I'll... how we went into Terminator 2. I guess it's somewhat apropos because we're doing this big old action adventure. All roads lead to Terminator 2. Next time we're back to the podcast, we'll be, uh, well, back we're back to a solo X-Men. We'll be doing Uncanny X-Men. Oh, so we're boy. done. We're done with X-Men for a while. We did X-Men 1 through 7, and now we'll pick up where we left off with Uncanny X-Men. Well, sounds great, Adam. It's going to be exciting. I can't wait. It is. I'm thrilled. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, until next time, my name's Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the danger room is closed. <laughs> <laughs>